Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy in Leadership podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. In this podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices on leading teams, creating and executing strategy, and fostering a culture within an organization that works. My guest today is Paul Supel, who is the president of Digistream Investigations. We hear about his journey in the company going from 220 to over 260 employees. He shares some of his best practices for developing relationships, fostering culture of growth, and what is important about planning regularly and being consistent as part of the strategic planning process. If you or your team is getting together to create your strategic plan for 2019 or beyond, be sure to give us a call and we'd be happy to see if we're a good fit to work with you, to facilitate your meeting, to get your team on the same page and align, and to create a structure to execute your plan for 2019 and beyond. So for more information about that, be sure to visit us at smestrategy.net. And without further ado, my interview today with Paul Supel of Digistream Investigations. Welcome back to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today is Paul Supel, who is the president at Digistream Investigations. Paul, how are you today? I'm doing great, Anthony. Thank you very much for having me. Excited to be here. As a way of getting started, can you tell people a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are now at Digistream? Definitely. Uh, Digistream is a private intelligence firm. We conduct research and investigations on a wide variety of subject matters. Um, We take a look at things for our clients like root cause analysis of workplace injuries at warehouses and then also securing all the publicly available social media data out there on a subject. And it's really exciting because we're in this sphere where we get to basically uncover, interpret, and preserve critical open source intelligence for our clients. And we supply them with this and they use it in one form or another as evidence to drive decisions that they have to make that impact their, their critical business. So um, as far as I'm concerned, I, I started with the firm back in 2004, and uh, I've seen a lot of growth here at Digistream, both for myself professionally as well as the brand. When I joined the firm and our founder, Will Aronson, we had about 20 streamers, as we like to call it, and the firm has grown from then over the past 13 years to about 265 streamers. Uh, we had one affiliate operation at the time, and now we've got 14 affiliates spread throughout the country. Cool. And then you have been in the organization at various roles from 20 to 260, yeah? Yeah. You know, I started at the bottom like anybody else and kind of worked my way up to the top. One of the really cool things here at Digistream is that there's a tremendous amount of opportunity, and that's a key point of our culture here is the opportunity and the ability to not only take advantage of opportunity, but to create it for both yourself and for your team and the people that you lead and you manage. So I went from running one of our operations to running our national sales team, managing accounts, to mentoring with and working with our general managers and local owners in several markets throughout the country to now being the president of our services company. You've walked the walk in everybody's role. So now as president, you get where people are coming from in terms of what the organization looks like from their perspective. 
Totally. It's a lot easier to walk the, or to talk the talk when you walk the walk. So definitely go. 100%. That's awesome. And then one of the things we were chatting about before is that you not only are you today's guest, but you're also a listener of the podcast. So I'm sure you, uh, you might have, he- hopefully you're not too bored of my anecdotes and stories by now, but uh, it's cool to hear that you've, you've listened to our podcast previous to today. Yeah, I've, I've been an avid listener of the podcast for some time, and that was one of the things that got me really excited when my marketing department told me they were going to book me on a podcast and it was going to be yours. So um, I, I was really excited to get the opportunity to speak with you. Personally, when I listen to this podcast, it's great because I always leave with at least one or two points and takeaways that I can um, implement in my organization from a leadership standpoint. And I'm very appreciative of that. So excited to be here. And thank you very much for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, let's rock and roll. So as you know, you know, we, uh, for those of you that might be first time listeners, we have managers and leaders from across the country and across the world in leadership and strategic roles. And really what we try to do is provide implementable and highly valuable tips that you can take on right away in your organization. So Paul, my first question to you in terms of looking at leading strategy and you've led strategy at multiple different levels for your company, but what are your two to three best practices? This is for leading strategy within an organization. I think the first one really starts with something that's very simple, but oftentimes people overlook it. It's just to be consistent. Um, when you're in a leadership role in an organization, whatever level you're at, you know, whether you're leading a team of five people, 100 people, 250 people, your job as a leader is to be as consistent as possible. You, you don't want your team to not know what they're going to expect when they come to you if there's a problem or if they need something. So, that is without a doubt my number one practice that I you know, implement on a day-to-day basis for sure. Another thing that I'm really big on is just methodically planning things. You know, when you plan things out properly, you usually have a good shot of executing that plan properly. And I always kid around with my team and say that, you know, even though I'm not a chess player or I'm not a very good chess player, I love to set up the landscape of our, of our strategic planning like a chessboard. And it's not just about the next move you're going to make. You know, the next move you're going to make is really about the move you're going to make five moves from now. So I really try to put a lot of thought and effort into the plans and then, you know, go through the necessary steps to get us to our ultimate end goal. So just trying to think several steps ahead is really a key for me when it comes to, again, best practices of leadership. Awesome. Okay. So I got a couple questions. So first one you mentioned, be consistent and your team needs to know, you know, what they can expect from you as sort of like a baseline. But when you talk about being consistent, what are some of the things that you are consistent in? Are we talking like communications? Are we talking about your clothing attire? Are we talking about, you know, what their expectations are in terms of work or how you're going to approach a problem? Can you like delve into that a little bit more? Definitely the last one you mentioned, you know, expectations of work and expectations of how a problem is going to be approached. Obviously, every problem is going to be different and every problem comes with its own subset of problems, but really being consistent in the way that you tackle those problems. I'm really big on having people stay in their proper lanes. And so if you've got someone responsible for a specific discipline, like let's say we have a sales director at our Um, organization, right? I don't really want my sales director jumping in and telling my HR director how to do their job and vice versa. You know, I want my sales director to be totally responsible for their department and my HR director to be totally responsible for their department as well. So when I say be consistent from that standpoint, I really mean that, 
you kind of empower your team to do their job. You don't micromanage them, and you don't allow for other people in the organization to butt into another lane and kind of bring chaos into what that leader of that department is trying to do. I got that. So, I mean, if we can break it down and say it's actually about like the rules and the culture around your own leadership within that and what they can expect from working together. So you've set the rules and expectations clearly so that if anybody is outside of those rules, then it sort of brings up disruption. So you try to keep it as clear and as transparent as possible so people know how to sort of stay in their own lane and follow the written or unwritten rules of the organization and of you as a leader. Totally. And and there's obviously a lot of collaboration that takes place. You know, we have a great team here at Digistream. No one person or no department that we have or no affiliate operation throughout the U.S. that we have would be as successful as it is without the, the level of collaboration that we have. But I, I do want to preach a certain amount of autonomy to um, each one of our affiliate operations and each one of our department heads so that they're ultimately accountable for their department or their operation. And, um, you know, they feel comfortable and confident in the decisions that they're making. But yeah, there, there's still a lot of collaboration, even with getting people to stay in their lanes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in terms of strategy, a well-designed strategic plan is one that as a CEO and a senior leader, you empower your people to take on their responsibilities. So as a leader, you get to stay and do what you do best because everybody else has a clear pathway in terms of what they need to do, why it's important to the organization and how it ultimately contributes to the future that you see for the organization. So that's really a segue to the second point that you said, which is planning properly and, you know, setting it out like a, a chessboard. But so in terms of strategic planning, everybody has a different approach. You know, we have our approach at SME strategy. What is the planning cycle that you take on as an organization? Do you do it yearly, quarterly? You know, what does that look like in practice? Yeah. So at each one of our affiliate operations, we obviously put together an annual business plan. You know, we look at the historical data from not only the current year, but years past. We take a look at the projected sales forecast for, for the future years. Um, you know, we look at our customer base, where it's growing, what cities it's growing in, what different diverse revenue lines it's growing in. And then we come up with our annual plan. And so we're, we're really big about reviewing that plan on a quarterly basis. We also review the financial performance of each one of our affiliate operations on a monthly basis. And then, you know, based upon how all of that is going, uh, from the position I sit in, I sit back and I go, okay, here's how we're going for the quarter, for the year. You know, how are we going to get this organization? How are we going to get this affiliate, you know, take our affiliate in, in Chicago? How am I going to work with my local owner operator and, and our Chicago affiliate to get them to the next level, whether that's three years from now or five years from now? So, you know, really looking at every, breaking it down in every facet in every year, and then what what is our ultimate goal? Where do we want to be five years from now as an organization? Where do we want to be 10 years or 20 years from now as an organization? And what level of infrastructure are we going to need to implement and start implementing right now in order to get us to that next level? One of the big things we did here several years ago in, in 2015 was implement what we call our Digistream 2020 vision. And, you know, that was about six key strategic points that we wanted to accomplish by the year 2020. And so that's something we look at every year and we refine if there's a need to refine. But when you have a good plan 
with several years laid out, it gives you the ability to make sure you're all working on the same page towards those specific goals. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you guys are doing a, have a good structure in place to not only take like the larger corporate vision, but to cascade those down within your individual business units, as well as your affiliates and align both internal and external, we'll call them organization, because your affiliates are their own corporate entities, correct? Correct. And, and that's really our competitive advantage out there in the marketplace. And that's where our business model, which I really am passionate about, and all of us here at the brand are passionate about, is very unique and very different, specifically in our sphere and in our marketplace that we operate in. But there's not a lot of other companies and organizations out there that I've come across that operate this way either. You know, and it's really founded on a key business philosophy called resident equity where our whole goal is that, uh, I don't even want to say our goal, this is just the plain and simply the way we're set up, that company ownership is held exclusively by staff members, officers, and directors um, at each one of our corporate you know, entities, each one of our affiliates. So there's no one that owns any shares in Digistream that don't work for one of our organizations. And it puts us in this unique spot where we don't really have anybody to answer to. You know, the resident equity model, it really based on the premise that an enterprise owned and operated by its staff possesses a powerful resource of naturally and normally untapped wealth, which is human capital. So the human capital, you know, our people that are out there that are a part of our local operations and also a part of our national brand, they significantly outperform the absentee ownership model where capital is provided from outside investors. That is really what our business model is fundamentally based around and, and, and operated from that standpoint. Got that. And I mean, the proof is in the pudding right there because you guys have gone from 20 people and built that, you know, resident equity um, model up to 270 and then growing some more. So yeah, obviously it's working and keep it up. And I mean, maybe we can look at I assert that a key driver of that success is obviously your approach to strategy and planning. I would. But I also imagine that your streamers have a pretty large impact on the business results. So can you tell me a little bit about your people and what you do to develop culture in uh, in the organization? I 1000 percent agree with you that our team, our streamers, are really what has been the driving force of our growth. I'm really big on the concept that, you know, and it's, it's a simple concept, but it's also a complicated one because a lot of people tend to overlook it. You know, don't take your people for granted. The cool thing about the resident equity model that we have is that it does provide an opportunity for people to get ownership in each one of our affiliate operations, but it also, from a fundamental standpoint, drives growth and opportunity. And so from a culture standpoint, that growth and that opportunity is something that we're always preaching here. And it, it goes from, you know, the bottom all the way to the top and the top all the way to the bottom. And our, our streamers really love that there is so much opportunity and that the opportunity is within our, our independent affiliate organizations. It's also, you could move from one affiliate to another affiliate. There's plenty of cities out there where we don't have an affiliate yet that we'd love to have one. So from a culture standpoint, that concept of opportunity is, is really our, our biggest thing that we kind of practice and preach here. Got that. So, you know, for our listeners who may or may not have a culture program set up. So, you know, if we take it a step back, every organization has a culture, whether you know it or not. And it's 
about fostering the culture that you want and rewarding the behaviors that you want to see in the organization. So, Paul, if I asked you, you know, what are some things that managers can do to develop that type of culture or said another way, what are some of the things that you have put in place or continue to put in place that supports the culture of growth, opportunity, equity and ownership? Yeah, I think when you talk about opportunity, I've always tried to look at it from this perspective and our founders tried to look at it from this perspective and and all of our local owner operators look at it this way too. If your goal and your focus is on creating more opportunity for your team and your staff and you're selfless with that goal and you don't focus on creating it for yourself, that's where you're really going to earn the respect of your staff and your team. So, you know, having the ability to show them that you're building a relationship with them, a professional relationship, and that you really care about their professional development and getting them to the next phase of their career. I mean, that just goes such a long way. And I think that's been a key element to our success here at Digistream. In terms of finding the right managers who embrace those qualities, is that done in your hiring process? Is that done deliberately through saying, like, this is what we expect of you? It's definitely a little bit of both. We really have been very fortunate here to have been able to promote from within and a lot of our uh, affiliates throughout the country and also at our brand level that handles some of that more national account work and all of that. We also are strategic at how we go out there and we recruit and we look in the marketplace and things that we're looking for. Um, One of the interesting things about our typical streamer that comes in the front door Um, A lot of organizations that are in our sphere, in our marketplace, they're looking for more of the um, retired law enforcement professional to work for an investigation company. They're looking for someone that has more of that, you know, wants to be in the CIA or wants to be in the FBI mentality. I think it's a, a really cool gig. Whereas we have a lot of people on staff here that have degrees in English, degrees in journalism have more of that investigative intuition inside of them and um, have the ability to problem solve, analyze data, uh, really good reading and writing skills. So we definitely take a little bit of a different approach from the recruitment side. And then, yeah, obviously, when we get talent in the door, it really becomes a focus of every one of our managers to develop and cultivate that talent. But it sounds like you guys have a a thought-out approach for acquiring talent and recognizing what skills you're looking for instead of just saying, hey, we have positions to fill, you know, and again, this is a company that's grown a headcount of from to 270 over the past 10 plus years. And then you've like really hired strategically and been clear about what kind of behaviors that fit within your culture and fit within the needs of your of your organization and for your ultimately, how do you deliver more value to your clients? Totally. And, and that's really the name of the game right, is delivering value to our clients. We're in a service-based industry, so we've got to take care of our clients. And the best way that you can do that is that you can deliver them value. Usually when a client hires you to do a project or do a job, the reason is that they have a specific problem and they want you to help them solve it. And so through our hiring practices, through our culture, through developing our team, We really focus on getting our people to become problem solvers for our clients because that's ultimately how we're going to differentiate ourselves from the competition and help them solve their problems and deliver value. Everything that you do is about creating value in the organization. So if you're looking at your vision and what you want to accomplish, 
The way to accomplish your vision is through your mission, your fundamental purpose, the reason that you exist. And in some way, shape or form, it will come from delivering value through a unique set of skills and activities to a very specific subsection of the market. But ultimately, everything you do needs to deliver value. So all your strategic priorities, all your actions, all the value creation that you take on all funnels up to this one thing, which is ultimately creating your vision and your mission. So, by the way, I don't know if you read the article, but there was an article that talked about how they uncovered there was a big bust in the like the McDonald's monopoly game. And it really talks about like the investigative. Yes. Do you see that? It was a really fascinating read. Like it was like really, really long to read, but it was really neat to hear all the stuff they went through in terms of investigations to figure it out. But we can talk about that offline. So, uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of different facets to conducting an investigation and a lot of different ways to go about doing it. That's for sure. Absolutely. That's a great example of it. And if you want to learn more, go to digistream.com. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. And guess it's it's we're looking at the investigations, we're looking at some things that can go bad. What are some risks to avoid in the planning process as you move forward, develop your strategy? I think in general for our organization, what I try to be very mindful of is rushing things. Um, and when I say rushing things, usually that's tied to chasing revenue. Uh, one of our goals here at Digistream, and also because we are 100% employee owned and we don't have any outside investment is you know, we chase profit as opposed to chasing revenue. And where you put yourself in a position, it's always tempting to chase that revenue because you're dealing with a client and they come in and they say, hey, you know, we have all this work for you and we'd love to give it to you, but uh, you're going to have to do it at a lesser rate. And, you know, this ties right back into the value proposition stuff we were just talking about. And while that might be tempting for most organizations, we're in a position where we've taken a really firm stance on not doing that. We know what it costs to conduct our business, to run our business properly, to be able to deliver the best absolute results and end product to all of our customers and users. And we're not really willing to compromise our pricing just to get a big, big immediate payday. You know, we're here for the long term. We're here to continue to build our organization and grow our brand and create more opportunity out there for the hopefully hundreds and hundreds of more streamers that are going to come on board over the next several years. So I really try to stay away and I really preach staying away from chasing revenue. That's probably the biggest uh, pitfall that I could see in, in terms of, um, you know, getting away from your strategic plan and rushing it. Is the rest of the organization aligned in that thinking? Like, has that been communicated and is everybody clear on like, this is what we're up to? We're in the long game, not the short game sort of thing. 100%. Um, there's one thing I could say I'm absolutely confident about other than, you know, there's a lot of opportunity and opportunity creation here at Digistream. It's that we're all aligned in that not chasing revenue. You know, every once in a while you get a sales guy or saleswoman that brings this revenue temptation to the table, but our our partners our, and, and local owners are really committed to um, building this thing the right way. And there's something to be said for building something organically and, you know, really bringing it from the ground up, uh, whether you go back all the way to the inception of Digistream and, and just having one affiliate to us launching a new affiliate. We just launched our 14th affiliate this year in um, North Carolina, covering both the Carolina states and, you know, building that customer base and building that staff and team and not rushing to do it, doing it the right way. So we're all definitely committed to that process. 
That, that, that's awesome. That sounds again like your your commitment to it is clear, and I'm sure that that comes across in all of your communications. And going back to culture, is that you know everybody knows what the expectation is, and that you're consistent in that. If you showed up tomorrow and was like, "All right, guys, short term profits, let's go," it would be weird. Like, people would be like, "What? Like, who is this guy?" So. Yeah, when you start to make exceptions, um, especially if those exceptions are for more short-term reasons, which usually tend to turn out to be long-term problems, that's when you get yourself into trouble from a leadership standpoint in an organization. So, again, that's why what we kind of started out with, I try to be very, very consistent with uh, with the way I lead. Hmm. That's awesome. I love that. Um, cool. And then, so... I- a couple quick more questions, but how do you align strategy and performance? And you alluded to this a little bit in terms of going about the doing your business plans and then aligning with the corporate strategy. But is there anything else in terms of like on a day-to-day activity, whether that's sharing it with your team or getting everybody to set up their own workflows? Like how do you align strategy and then like the measurable goals that you set out? Yeah, we obviously have KPIs that we look at and um, we keep an eye on and, you know, we monitor them on a daily basis and we report against them on a daily basis. What's really nice from a venture management standpoint, which is, you know, goes hand in hand, this concept of venture management with the resident equity model, is that for each one of our affiliates, we have a monthly financial report that we compile. You know, this report has a lot of strategy in there. It not only looks at the KPIs, but it looks at where those KPIs measure up to what we planned and where those KPIs measure up in this month to where they were the year before and where we're trying to take them. You know, my group works directly with our local owner operators at our affiliates to help them accomplish their goals and continue to grow their organization. Do you use, um, in terms of, like you mentioned, your daily KPI reporting, do you use like a strategic planning software for that? Or how do you go about that? Or your own internal dashboards? Or how do you share that information? Yeah, we have a couple different programs we use. But uh, I guess the biggest platform that we're on is uh, Microsoft Dynamics CRM. It started for us as a way to manage our customer base, but it had a lot of customization and customability. And we've actually ended up building some of our other systems into that software platform. So now we've got all of these amazing dashboards. You know, we have dashboards for each one of our individual affiliates. We have dashboards that combine our affiliates. And it really gives us the ability to look both at each affiliate as its own entity, but then also how is the national brand doing at the same time? What I'll say about dashboards and why I ask about them, it's important for your team to be able to see the scoreboard. And the more that they visualize and know like how you're doing, it it alters the well amount of energy, but also to be clear on how we're winning. So it's less subjective about personality. And it's really like, here's performance and making performance explicit versus feeling. So I, I imagine that your commitment to having that visualized has made a really big difference in your in your results. So I, would, would you say that's correct? Yeah, I definitely think that's correct. And I don't want to take all the credit for that one. Um, our founder, Will Aronson, he, uh, he's really committed to that. He's the one that kind of led the charge on, uh, getting our, our software platforms, uh, streamlined and getting all that visual representation, you know, out there for everybody. And he's kind of created that culture and fostered it of, um, scoreboard watching, which I certainly jumped on the bandwagon. And, uh, I, I love watching the scoreboard. You know, it's like, it's like a ticker that's up every day and you see the sales coming in and you see, 
the performance of the team and how we're doing and the results we're delivering to our clients, you know, when things are going great, it is contagious. Uh, everybody's enthusiastic. Everybody's feeling well. And if sales are down or performance is down, you know, it does have a negative impact on um, people's psyche, I will say for sure. That's when it gets really important to get back to your plan, that strategic plan, and review where you are with that strategic plan. Did you execute the things that you said you were going to execute? Uh, if you did and they didn't work, why did they not work? If they worked, great. Did you not execute the things that you said you were going to execute? So the, the plan really comes back front and center as things are both going well and going bad. Okay. And, you know, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would recommend to a CEO or a manager who's in the process of leading strategy? They might be at the beginning of their planning cycle or right in the middle of an execution. Anything, any words of wisdom that you would share in your experience, both from, you know, uh, in all of your different roles at Digistream? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that I would share from a recommendation standpoint, and it's something that I felt I've been very successful in life doing outside of the business world. And I really, because of my success in doing that in life, I looked to bring that into the business world and it helped me excel in the business world as well. And that's building relationships and fostering relationships with people, whether it's a customer to vendor relationship or it's a manager to staff line employee relationship, it's important to develop them because that's how you keep people happy. That's how you keep people motivated. That's how people know that you're on the same team. So really focusing on that relationship building has been a, a critical ingredient to my own success. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you, Paul. How can people get a hold of you? So um, you can go on our website. It's www.digistream.com. And then my email address is psuple at digistream.com. Either one of those is fine. If you do go on our website, we have a lot of great literature out there. Uh, we kind of took our own take on the white paper. And now what we do is we, we write orange papers and uh, about different things going on in our industry from the investigation standpoint. So I would definitely recommend people go and check that out. That's fantastic. Paul, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It was uh, such a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I hope you had fun today. I did. I, I really was excited to be on here. You, you did not disappoint. Thank you for having me. I'm very appreciative of it. And uh, I look forward to continuing to be a big fan and listener of the podcast. That's awesome. Well, we'll be sure to check in over the months and years to come and hopefully have you on the podcast again to hear what uh, all the streamers across the U.S. are doing. So uh, really looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today has been Paul Supel, who is the president of Digistream Investigations. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider rating it five stars on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or be sure to share it with somebody in your network that would appreciate it. Until next time, my name is Anthony Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. You can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.